You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Y'all ready for some word tonight? Yes. Okay, well, let's pray and we'll jump right on in. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this opportunity that we have, Father, to gather as a group of believers around your word. Father, I thank you that tonight, Father, we're going to break open the bread of life. And I believe, Father, that we're going to receive from you, that you're going to bring revelation into our lives. Father, we just give permission for the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, to lead and guide us into all truth. And we just believe to be taught tonight. And Father, I thank you as a result of that. We're not going to be just hearers of the word. We're going to be doers of the word as well. And that our lives will be changed. And we thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's look at our foundation scripture. This is part eight or week eight of our series on the Holy Spirit. And um, if we will probably be wrapping this up, uh, if not tonight, uh, maybe next week. But uh, I've enjoyed this and I hope you have as well. But let's look at First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse one. I'm going to read it from the New King James. This is our foundation scripture. Paul wrote this. He said, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. And so as we have been saying all throughout this series, the word gifts there is italicized, meaning it was added at the privilege of the translators. And so therefore, uh, the Bible in basic English really translates this verse well. And it says this, but about the things of the spirit, my brothers, it is not right for you to be without teaching. So God really wants us to understand and to learn about the Holy Spirit, how he moves, uh, how he flows, what his plan is, what he desires to accomplish. And so that's what we've been studying all these weeks. We've talked about Uh, the work of the Holy Spirit within us and upon us. We've talked about the gifts of the Spirit and uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And so we began uh, talking about how does the Holy Spirit lead me or lead us. And so uh, we said last week there are four primary ways that God leads the born-again believer. Number one is, of course, and this is the primary way, is going to be by the written Word of God. That's where God is always going to start is with his written word. The second way that the Holy Spirit's going to lead us is called the inward witness, the inward witness where he bears witness with our spirit about something, a direction that is right or a decision that we need to make or whether something that we're getting involved with or in is good or bad or, or, or whatever. But the most primary way that he's going to move in our spirits is called the inward witness. This is just a, a, an inward knowing uh, on the inside of you uh, whether something is right or if uh, you need to avoid it. So then the third area is the inward voice or voice of your spirit 
Another uh, term for this is called the conscience. We looked at uh, scriptures that referred to the conscience. And, uh, you know, it's funny for those of you who uh, might be Disney fans, uh, of course, you know, I, and I mentioned this whenever I'm talking about this, but um, Jiminy Cricket in the movie Pinocchio had a phrase that uh, in a song that he said, always let your conscience be your guide. And uh, I don't know if, if somebody at Disney knew the Bible, but they were actually very, very scriptural with that, in that your conscience is a very safe guide for you to follow as long as you keep a tender conscience before the Lord. We looked at last week how it is possible for us to allow our consciences to become seared to where uh, we're not sensitive to the things of the Spirit. And so we'll, we'll look more about that in just a little bit. We talked about how uh, the conscience works, how the, it's your conscience that convicts you of sin, uh, talking about the born-again believer. The Holy Spirit convicts someone who is not born again of their sin and their need for the Lord Jesus. But after you're born again, your conscience, your spirit becomes a very, very safe guide for you to follow and especially as you grow and walk in the things of the Lord. And so uh, we talked about how, uh, again, that it's important that we remain tender-hearted before the Lord and keep a tender conscience. And so then the fourth way that the, the Holy Spirit will lead us is by the voice of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the fourth way that God will lead us is by the voice of the Holy Spirit. So you have the inward voice, or the inward witness rather, your conscience or the inward voice of your spirit. Then you have uh, the, this fourth way, which is the Holy Spirit actually speaking to you in your spirit. And so let's look at a, a, an example of this. Look, look over with me at the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, and let's look at verses 19 uh, through 21. Acts chapter 10, verses 19 through 21. This is where uh, Peter is on the rooftop. He's had the vision experience with the Lord, where the Lord was dealing with him about ministering to the Gentiles. And uh, so the scripture says in Acts chapter 10, in verse 19, that while Peter thought about the vision, Notice what it says, the Spirit said to him. Now notice it's capital S, meaning the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? So I want you to notice that uh, this reference here in verse 19 where it says the voice of the Spirit or the Spirit spoke to Peter. Now one thing that I mentioned to you last week is that all of these ways that the Holy Spirit leads us are a little stronger than the one before. So you have the written Word of God, of course, which is plenty strong, but then the inward witness is a little more subtle then you have your conscience or the voice of your spirit, which is a little bit stronger than just the inward witness. And then you have the, the voice of the Holy Spirit, which is very emphatic. 
and uh, will always be stronger than the previous two, the inward witness and, and your conscience. Now, uh, many times, I've only had this happen to me just two or three times in all of my Christian life where the, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in a way that it, it seemed to be audible. I know that it wasn't, it was down in my spirit, but it, it was so pronounced that it seemed audible to me. And most of the time it was regarding something that the Lord had been dealing with me concerning over a period of time that I had either ignored or, uh, you know, just avoided having to obey and so forth. And so the Holy Spirit eventually spoke to me about that situation. And I've, you, I've shared this testimony with you before, but I'll, I'll share it with you again because we have some new people that might not have heard it. When I was, uh, this was several years ago, I was involved, uh, this is 22 years ago, I was involved uh, with another church that I loved. It was a great church here in town and, and uh, was uh, playing on, in the band and, and uh, singing in the choir. And this particular Sunday morning, well, let me give some background. Uh, I had come out of a previous church experience and because of that previous church experience, it wasn't good. And so I had made up my mind that uh, I was done with full-time ministry and uh, you know, I was gonna be a good Christian. I was gonna go to church. I was gonna do what, what was right and, and so forth and so on and even serve in the church and so forth. But I had pretty much um, in so many words told the Lord, you know, don't, don't deal with me about going back into full-time ministry. Well, God put up with that for about six years and uh, I remember uh, sitting in the choir on the platform that uh, a particular Sunday morning and the pastor was preaching. I was sitting on the, I can remember it to this day, I was sitting on the front row of the choir and there are two rows behind you when you're sitting on the front row of the choir. And uh, so the pastor's ministering and I, I remember I was just looking at him, listening of course to what he was saying and the volume went down on what he was saying. I could still see him, but I could no longer hear him. But I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, what are you going to do about that calling on your life? And I didn't answer, I didn't respond. And um, you know, just a few seconds later, the volume came back up and you know, I could hear the pastor ministering again. And um, so, but it would seem so real to me that I actually, for a moment, thought somebody behind me had leaned up and was talking in my ear. And, and, and so then a few minutes later, the volume went back down again. I couldn't hear the pastor anymore. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me again and said, and it was a little bit stronger this time, what are you going to do about that calling on your life? And uh, so I didn't respond, didn't answer. And the volume came back up again. And so I sat there for a few moments longer. And uh, the third time, uh, the, the volume went back down again. I could see the pastor, couldn't hear what he was saying, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, what are you going to do about that calling on your life? Well, I may not be the sharpest tool in the shed, but I kind of caught on. It was kind of like one of those Eli and Samuel moments. You remember the story in Samuel where Samuel was a little boy and the Lord kept speaking to him. And so he'd run in there and ask Samuel, you know, are you calling me? And Samuel would say no, and so 
This third time, I, I finally figured out it was the Holy Ghost speaking to me. And uh, so I answered and I respond this, responded this time. The volume was still down. And I responded this time and said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I want to fulfill your will, plan, and purpose for my life. And so after that, the volume came back up. The Lord didn't say anything else to me. And, uh, you know, it was just within a year or so after that that I, I made the move to the, the church that I'm a part of now. And so anyway, but my whole point in all of this was it was no human being speaking to me. And of course, it was not audible to anybody else, but it was so real down in my spirit that it seemed as though uh, it was audible and uh, it was that real to me. And of course, I knew by the emphasis on it that uh, I had a decision to make at that moment. And the best decision for me to make was, of course, to obey the Lord and to fulfill what he had called me to do. And so very much like what Peter experienced here, uh, this was a critical moment for the body of Christ that, that God was dealing with Peter and the other disciples actually about carrying the gospel to the Gentiles and they basically had ignored it. And because uh, you remember Jesus' commandment was to preach the gospel in Jerusalem and Judea and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And the disciples had conveniently forgotten about the uttermost parts of the earth part and were just focusing on the Jews and God, of course, had to deal with them. And so in the same way God dealt with Peter, he had to deal with me about that particular uh, situation. And of course, you know, we, we obeyed God and, and moved forward. Now, go over with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, please. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I want to be cautious in uh, teaching you this because I don't want any of us, and, and we'll talk more about this in just a second, I don't want any of us to seek after the voice of the Holy Spirit in this sense. This happens as God wills, as the Holy Spirit wills, okay? So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21, in the New King James Bible, it says, test all things, hold fast, what is good. The Amplified Bible says, but test and prove all things until you can recognize what is good to that hold fast. So I would encourage you if you ever, you know, are uh, sensing God dealing with you or, and, and you know, you believe that you're uh, hearing from the Lord in this manner, there's nothing wrong. L let me say it to you another way. The Holy Spirit will never get offended if you prove or test what you are being told based on the word of God, okay? So you will never offend the Holy Spirit by, by doing that. First John chapter five tells us that, uh, that there are three that agree, the word, the spirit, uh, and, you know, and, the, and God. All three of those are always gonna be in agreement. And so you will never offend one or the other if you pursue to, to prove them out or test them out based upon the word of God, okay? So always remember that the Bible teaches that the Spirit of God and the Word of God always agree. You will never have the Holy Spirit telling you something that is different from the written Word of God. Never, ever, ever will it happen. And if you ever 
sense that the Holy Spirit is ministering something to you and it does not match or, or come in line with the Word of God, then discard it. Because here's something else that you need to know. If it's a matter of you being ignorant of something that's in the Word, the Holy Spirit loves you enough that He will do what needs to happen in order to bring revelation to you from the Word and then confirm it. All right? That, if that makes sense to you. Okay? Again, and you'll never offend Him when you pursue the Word of God. Now, we should never, ever seek voices. Never, ever. You should not follow voices. You always follow what the Word of God says. And again, these things happen as the Holy Spirit wills and plans, not as you plan. I, you know, I know uh, many, many, many years ago, I, I know of someone that um, began to fast and pray, wanting to hear uh, an audible voice from heaven and, and or have an angelic visitation. And so when you begin to seek things that are apart from and separate from what the written word of God has provided for us, then you need to understand that the devil will accommodate you. If you want to hear voices bad enough, he will make sure you start hearing voices. And the person that I am uh, have in mind ended up in a very, very, very bad mental state because of wanting to pursue hearing voices and having an angelic visitation. Now, those things are wonderful, and they do happen, but they happen as God wills for them to happen, not as we will for them to happen. So just leave all those things up to God. You know, like I said, I've been, you know, a Christian for a long, long time, and I have never had an angelic visitation. I've never had a vision of Jesus. Now, that's not to say it might not happen, but I don't go around praying and asking, Lord, it sure would help me. It sure would help my faith if you would just appear to me and, you know, tell me what I, what I need you to tell me. Uh, don't, don't do those types of things. Let God handle that and, and minister to you appropriately. Now, that is the, the inward voice of the Holy Spirit. Again, it's a little bit stronger. Now, somebody might say, well, does God lead us through external circumstances? Now, not primarily, but he can move in external circumstances, but, but it will always confirm something that you know in your spirit already. Again, we do not follow external circumstances and let that be our primary guide in, in following and finding direction from the Lord. Those things can happen, but they always should confirm what's in your spirit. Somebody said, well, you know, so-and-so uh, prophesied and spoke a word over me and, uh, you know, and, and just told me about all these things. And so the, the next question would be, well, is that something that you already had in your spirit? If it's not, put it on the back burner or just get rid of it altogether. I remember uh, several years ago, I was coming out of a movie theater and there were some people that were there from a, a, a particular ministry here in town and, and uh, they were being taught to step out in the gifts of, of prophecy and so forth. And 
this young man walked up to me and he said, sir, do you mind if I share a word from the Lord with you? And uh, so I said, yeah, sure, go ahead. And so he began to, to tell me some things and, uh, you know, bless his heart. What he said was, was way off, okay? He meant well, and, you know, and I have to give him an A for effort, but what he told me had no witness in my spirit whatsoever. So what do you do with that? Do I start meditating on that and thinking about that? No, uh-uh. You just discard it, get rid of it. Because again, the Holy Spirit's big enough to bring it back around to you if it's something that the Lord is ministering to you. I remember, uh, again, several years ago, this was probably 15, 14, 15 years ago, um, we had some uh, men that came to our church to do a men's conference. and. One of the men that was in that particular group that was leading the conference, he came up and he prophesied to me and said that uh, that there was an apostolic anointing on my life and I was going to uh, step away from my church and uh, you know would would no longer be pastoring, but I would be going out and establishing other works. Well, that sounds great, and again, you know. Um, I'm human, I can miss it too, just like anybody else can. But I will tell you this, it bore no witness. I did not have anything like that already in my spirit. It did not bear witness with me at all. And so, you know, listen, you don't blast people out of the water. You don't get mean and rude and all that. You just say, thank you, God bless you, and let it go. And, and, and just discard it again. And God is big enough. If it's the will of God, he can bring it back around to you. Somebody might say, well, can God lead me through uh, dreams? Yes, God can lead you through dreams, but again, it will confirm something that's already in your spirit. Now, let me talk about dreams for just a second. God does speak to people through dreams, all right? But, but let me qualify this and say, if you have a dream and you have to go ask five people what the dream meant, it was not from the Holy Ghost. Okay? Amen. Now, how do I know that? Every instance of someone in the scriptures that had a dream that was from heaven knew, if, well, let me rephrase that, if they were a believer. All right? Now, we know of uh, a couple of instances, for instance, when Joseph... Uh, interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. Now, Pharaoh didn't have a relationship with God. Joseph did. But Joseph had a dream, and it was from God, and it was an indication and, and showing him what was to come. Okay, Now, those dreams can happen, but again, uh, the Holy Spirit can and will bring an interpretation of that dream, if it's a dream for you, to you. You're not going to have to go ask a bunch of people uh, what your dream meant. And I know, you know, there are some ministries that that teach, you know, and uh, that uh, about dream interpretation. And so you need to be skilled in that area so you can interpret people's dreams for you. No, I don't need to train to be the Holy Ghost for somebody. If somebody has a dream from heaven, the Holy Spirit is big enough to give them the interpretation for their dream. Two times in my 
ministry have I had a spiritual dream and both times, the moment I woke up from, and they were both at night, both times that I woke up immediately, I mean, the moment I woke up immediately, I knew what the dream was about and I knew what the interpretation of it was. I didn't have to ask anybody. I didn't have to call the prayer line. I didn't have to, you know, seek help other than the Holy Spirit. And he made that translate or that interpretation available to me. All right. So, but all these things, external circumstances, dreams, personal prophecies, all of that must line up with the written word of God and what is already in your heart. Okay, if it's not already in your heart, let it go, put it on the back burner, and let God bring it back around. Okay, so learn to trust the Holy Spirit who lives in you. He's big enough to reveal to you exactly what you need to know clearly and concisely. Now, I will say this, and I've mentioned this to you before the scripture says in the Psalms that God orders the steps of a good man or a good woman of the Lord, okay? Now, God will always lead you in steps and stages. This isn't in my notes. This is just something I'm feeling prompted to talk about. God will always lead you in steps and stages. He will never, ever reveal the full picture to you. The reason for that, a couple of things. Number one, if he revealed to you the full picture, the beginning from and the to the end of what was going to happen, then faith is not required on your part. God will give you a step and then expect you by faith to take that step. Then when you take that step, then he'll provide another step. Now, with me, for instance, in in the role of a pastor, God will give me vision for the church. But here's the thing. He'll he'll give me vision for the church, but he will not tell me how it's going to come about. The reason for that is because he expects me to operate in faith just like everybody else. And so if I know this is a direction that we need to head as a church, then I need to trust him and believe his word that he will provide and do what's necessary in order for that to come to pass. And the same thing is true for you. God is never going to just give you a full unveiling of what the complete plan for your life is. What he will do is give you single steps and, and stages for you to follow And as you walk those things out by faith, God will cause those things to to come to pass and he'll give you what is next in in that, all right? So I wanted to mention that uh, because I I don't want you to think that if you're just getting bits and pieces, you're not missing it. That's just the way God operates, okay? So, you know, I know somebody that, or uh, no, you know, in situations somebody might have, I, I just know I'm supposed to do this. Don't really know why I'm supposed to do this, whatever this is. And I don't know what's next after that. I just know that this is what I'm supposed to do. 
Well, what you need to understand is that the answer to those questions is on the other side of following and taking that step, okay, of doing what, uh, what the Lord has laid on your heart, all right? So he might not give you all the whys and the wherefores, okay? You know, it's kind of like, you know, when we were growing up, uh, you know, your parents would say something to you, and, uh, you know, when you're four and five years old, you know, the big question is why, all right? Well, well, what God does is he does just like our parents do. Why, God? Well, because I said so. That's why, okay? Because he wants you to learn how to follow him and to trust him and to know that he's got you and he's going to take care of you throughout each and every step, all right? Now, I want to spend the, the balance of our time tonight talking about how how do we maintain that spiritual sensitivity or how do we become more spiritually sensitive? You know, we talked about not allowing our hearts to become hardened, to keep our consciences tender before the Lord. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, there are some things that we can do to facilitate that, to keep that from happening because again, if you ever allow your heart your heart to become hard in an area, it's a very dangerous place to be. You don't wanna get to that place. So how do we become more spiritually sensitive? Now, these are not uh, deep, uh, you know, profound revelations in the sense of, you've probably heard everything I'm getting ready to say before, but it bears repetition because we need to make sure that we're doing these things, all right? So here's number one, give the Word of God first place in your life. Give the Word of God first place in your life. What does that mean? That means that <clears throat> the Word of God becomes the primary authority in your life. You govern your life based on the Word of God you don't try and make the Word of God conform to your life. Okay, does that make sense to you? In other words, whatever you find in the Bible, you know, you govern and regulate your life based on the Word of God and not anything else. You know, I know there, there's a lot of Christians that would like to, you know, make the Word of God conform to their lives. You're never going to be able to do that. God doesn't bend for anybody. Malachi 3, 6 says that God does not change. He does not change for anybody. So again, you're better off conforming your life to the Word of God instead of trying to make it happen the other way around. So what does that mean? That means that the Word of God has the final say-so in your life above what you feel, what you see, and what you hear. The Word of God has the final say in your life based up, or, or above, rather, what you see, feel, and hear, okay? Now, thank God for our five physical senses. I'm glad God gave us a taste, you know, and a smeller and a hearer, all of the five physical sense, senses that we have, and they're wonderful until what you perceive through those five physical senses contradicts what the Word of God says. At that moment, you have a choice to make. Are you going to go with what the Word of God says, or are you going to go with what you may be seeing, 
what you may be feeling, what you may be hearing, uh, you know, all of those things you have a choice to make and you have to choose at that moment, is the word going to be the primary source or the primary authority in my life for, for um, you know, every aspect of my life. You know, we're having a great time right now to, uh, as believers, not to be moved by what we see and feel and so forth with a lot that's going on in our world. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult, uh, you know, and thank God it's come down some, but, you know, when gas was approaching $5 a gallon, you know, that's the first thing, and you have a choice to make when you pull up to that pump and you see the price. Okay, am I going to believe that the Word says that God is my source and my supply, that He meets every one of my need according to His riches and glory, or am I going to be moved by what that gas pump says, and am I going to gripe and moan and complain because gas prices seem to be going out the roof? Well, you know, my Bible says nothing about Jesus falling off the throne if gas went above 350. It, it, you're just not going to find it. He's still the same Lord, still able to provide and take care of. That's just, you know, a small example. All right. But that's the decision that we have to make. Now go back with me to Isaiah 55, please. Isaiah, the 55th chapter. And we talked about this in, in the direction and, and following the direction of the Lord. Isaiah 55, verse 8. The scripture says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the high heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Okay, so what God is saying here through the prophet Isaiah is, yes, his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, but he's given us a, a means through the word of God that we can know his ways and we can know his thoughts. All right, so uh, if you want to know what God's thinking, look, at, look to the word of God. If you want to know how God does something, Look to the Word of God. You'll find it there. All right? 2 Timothy chapter 3. Go over there. 2 Timothy chapter 3 over in the New Testament. Chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
the, the NIV says all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the word of God is given to us so that it's profit, so it can be profitable for us, but it provides correction, it provides reproof, it's, it provides instruction and training in righteousness. Now, somebody might say, well, you know, how does God teach us in, in the church age? How does God teach us today? Well, he starts with the written word of God. He teaches us with, with the written word of God. Let me say this to you. You can learn through circumstances in your life. You can learn through experiences. You know, there's an old saying that says, experience is the best teacher. I tend to, to disagree with that because here's what the best teacher is, is for me to find out what somebody else experienced and learn from it so I don't have to experience it, okay? That's better than having to experience hardship on my own and then figure things out in the middle of that hardship. But the Word of God is designed to bring teaching and instruction and correction for us, and if we'll be open to that, uh, and just have a heart attitude that says, God, if I find it in your word, I'm going to incorporate this into my life. If there's, a, a, if I find in your word an area that I need to adjust in my life, then I'm going to adjust my life. You don't, don't turn there for the sake of time, but Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says, For the word of God, word of God is alive and active, or sharper, uh, the, the King James says, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Okay? So the Word of God is the most important re resource that God has given us as believers. So here's the whole point of, of this particular point, and that is this. Don't let the Word of God be an afterthought or a last resort. In other words, when you encounter a problem or encounter a situation, don't exhaust everything else and then finally say, well, what does the Bible have to say about this? Or has anybody seen my Bible? Uh, did I leave it in the car? Okay, Not to <laughs> throw shade on Brenda. For those of you who missed it, we watched Brenda run back and forth in front of her camera trying to find her Bible. But but no, I'm not, not trying to use her as an example. But always let the Word of God be primary. Always let it be the first thing that you go to. Then number two about becoming spiritually sensitive is you, you need to spend time, and I know I've, I say this a lot, but spend time meditating in the Word of God. Spend time purposefully thinking about the Word. Spend time thinking about the Word of God. You know, you need to understand something. Um, Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. They're, they're, this, this book is different than any other book known to man. This book has, or let me say it this way, is God-breathed, God-inspired, God-anointed, okay? 
And when you spend time in the Word of God, it is affecting you spiritually, primarily, and, and then mentally and otherwise. But what I want you to see is, is that the Word of God has a spiritual impact on your life. And when you spend time thinking about the Word of God, it's more than just trying to remember. It's, it's more than uh, just memorization. Uh, you know, memorization is great, but don't memorize the Word of God just for the sake of memorizing the Word. Spend enough time in the Word that you're getting it down on the inside of you so that if somebody bumps up against you, the Word is what comes out of you, uh, you know, not another word, okay, <laughs> all right? Um, so let's go, let's go back and let's look at a couple of old favorite scriptures, Joshua chapter one, back in the old Testament, Joshua chapter one, and I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified, Joshua one, eight, Joshua one, eight says this, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Now it's interesting that the instructions that God gave Joshua was keep the word of God in your mouth. And but you shall meditate on it day and night. Now, if you understand about meditation and particularly the Hebrew word for meditate, it literally means to mutter or to say it to yourself over and over again. And so, you know, the best example that I know of, and again, I have shared this before, but if you're familiar with how cows work, cows, uh, you, you probably heard about cows chewing their cud. Well, what a cow does is as it grazes, a cow has two stomachs. And a cow, as it grazes, the, the initial eating of the grass or whatever goes into that first stomach but a cow will regurgitate out of that first stomach and chew on it some more. It's kind of gross, but chew on it some more to get as much nourishment out of that grass as it possibly can. And then when it's, it's exhausted everything that it can out of that particular portion of cud, C-U-D is what it's called, then it will swallow it and it goes into the final phase of the digestive system. I know that's kind of gross and graphic, but that's exactly what we have to do with the Word of God. You know, as you hear the Word from me or, or in church, whatever the case might be, through a podcast or something like that, don't let that be the only time that you think about the Word that you have heard. Bring it back up again. Think about it over and over and over again. I know the Lord deals with me sometimes. There's a particular series of messages that I've been listening to now, you know, among other things, but I've been listening to this particular series of messages um, for almost a year now. And every time I feel like I can move on and go to something else, just down here in my spirit, I keep getting prompted, no, go back and listen to it again. And because what is happening is, as I'm listening to that, it's getting into my thinking. I'm thinking about it more and more. And then that brings us over to the next phase of that, and that's when you begin to renew your mind. 
as you began to meditate on the Word of God and think about the Word, you began to renew your mind, like Romans 12 tells us, and your life is being transformed. Now, one way to meditate is this, is to see your life being lived out as though the Word is true in your life. So in other words, you know, if you're dealing with sickness and disease in your body, the Scripture teaches that by Jesus' stripes, we are healed. So meditating on that Scripture is to imagine or to see your body healed. See yourself living free from sickness and disease. If you deal with financial issues and and uh, you need provision in your life, well then spend time thinking about the provision of God, how God is faithful and that God meets all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Spend time meditating and imagining that. Now, the reason that I say that, using the word imagine, is because in Psalm 1, the scripture uses the word meditate again and then in Psalm 2, David wrote and he said, why do the nations rage and the heathen imagine a vain thing? Well, the same word that's translated imagine in Psalm 2 is the same word that's translated meditate in Psalm 1. So spending time daydreaming, if you will, imagining your life being lived out by the Word of God that's what meditation is. Now, let me finish the verse in Joshua 1.8. He says, uh, the book, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous. And then you, and the Amplified says, you shall deal wisely and have good success. Okay. All that is a product of spending time meditating in the Word of God. Now, what is this doing? It's affecting you spiritually and keeping you tenderhearted spiritually. I'll say this to you. Um, you know, there are uh, ministers that I've heard, you know, from Brother Copeland to Brother Hagen and others, many, many others. And a lot of times in prayer or in a particular situation when the Holy Spirit brings something up out of my spirit, I will hear it said in the voice of the person who said it. Amen. In other words, when that comes up out of my spirit, it might be something that I heard Brother Hagin say. And the Holy Spirit will bring it up in that context out of my spirit. And so, you know, don't think it odd if you hear coming up out of your spirit, things that you've heard before. Um, you know, I'll say this to you. What the Holy Ghost does, i tell you what, go over with me to the book of John, John's Gospel. Chapter 14, and look at verse 25 and 26. John 14, verses 25 and 26. Jesus talking about, this is what the Holy Spirit will do. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name, and he's here, he's sent, he's living on the inside of you, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Well, Jesus isn't in person speaking to us. He speaks to us by the Holy Spirit through anointed men and women of God. And so what the Holy Spirit does is he brings to our remembrance what the Holy Spirit has said to us through those ministries. Now, let me say this to you. This is why it is so important for you to constantly be immersing yourself in the Word of God, because I'm going to say this to you. If you don't put anything in there, the Holy Ghost has nothing to bring to your remembrance. Amen. He doesn't just magically bring stuff up that you haven't heard. It's been deposited down on the inside of you, down in your spirit. So what the Holy Spirit does is, uh, you know, and of course, the, the more word that you hear and avail yourself to, you know, you might think, well, I'm not getting anything out of this at the moment. But you never know that word is getting down in your heart and the Holy Spirit can draw upon that resource later on to bring something to your remembrance. But if you never avail yourself to be taught the word of God, then you don't provide anything that the Holy Spirit has to work with down in your spirit. That's why, you know, I say this and I didn't think this up. I heard it from John Osteen. And that is this, put the word in your heart when you don't need it and it will be there when you do need it. And, and why? Because the Holy Spirit will have something to work with to bring it up, up out of your spirit at the moment that you need it. All right. So all of that is part of meditating in the word of God, spending time thinking about the word, spending time imagining your life being lived out by the word. And listen, uh, you know, all of us spend a lot of time in the car. We're driving all those types of things. Take advantage of those times that we have and and use them for resources like this. Don't you know? And listen, I'm not against this. But don't spend all your time in the car listening to talk radio and a bunch of talking heads saying a bunch of stuff they know nothing about, all right? Spend time, redeem that time, take advantage of it, and be depositing the word down on the inside of you. Now, here's number three, all right? Number three in being spiritually sensitive, and that is this, practice the word of God. Practice the word of God. Now, James tells us in James chapter 1, just write this down, verses 22 through 25, he said, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Make it a point to be a doer of the word. Now, another aspect of this is exactly what I said in that point. Practice the word of God. Now, what does that mean? That means every chance you get practice the Word of God. You know how you get good at something? You practice it. Okay? I don't care if it's sports, you know, music, whatever it might be, practice. You know the old saying, practice makes perfect. Okay? You know, but the fact of the matter is when you and I make up our minds to be a doer of the Word and to be a practicer of the Word of God, I am going to 
practice the word. Here's the thing, and you've heard me say, say this for this whole year, and that is this. God wants us to be skilled at things concerning the word of God and things concerning the spirit. He wants us to be skilled at those things. The only way you get skilled at something is to practice it. Practice it every chance you get. You know, that's why uh, the Apostle Paul, you know, he made statements in, in his epistles where he would say, you know what, I rather glory in infirmities. What he was saying is this, he didn't, he didn't enjoy temptations, tests, and trials, but what he knew is when they showed up, it gave him another opportunity to practice the word, to be a doer of the word, and to be able to see God move as he always has. Now, you know, I made a note that, that there's a lot of people that are talkers of the word. There's a lot of people that are rejoicers about the word, but very few people are actually doers of the word. You know, people get excited about a message that they hear, oh man, that was great, and, and so forth and so on, but then you, you see them, you know, a month later, uh, and, and you know, you ask them, well, did, are you doing what you heard? Well, no, I've moved on to the next best thing. I've moved on to the next revelation, okay? No, you gotta back up, and you got to become a doer of what you've heard. You know, I wish as a pastor, and, and, and you know, I'm just, this isn't a broad stroke. I don't want to say this, but, you know, there are people who, in, in the church that, um, you know, they're going through something in their life. And I know just a little while ago, I taught in the church on Sunday mornings about that very thing. And, and you know, I don't say this, you know, but part of me wants to, to go, well, did you not hear what we talked about for all of those weeks? And see, the, the challenge is this. Yes, they might have been physically sitting in the service, but were you really giving the Word of God your attention and making up your mind that you were going to incorporate that into your life, okay? You know, I'm reminded in John chapter 7 where Jesus talked about the man who built his house upon the rock and the other man who built his house upon the sand. You remember Jesus said that the difference between those, well, actually, he said this. Both of them heard the word, but what set them apart from each other was one of them was a doer of the word and the other one was not. What he did tell us in that is that storms came to both people at the same time. One of them withstood the storm and came out on the other side of the storm with no damage whatsoever. The other one, the Jesus even used the phrase that his house fell and great was the fall of it. What was the difference? One was a doer, both of them heard, but one was a doer, one was not. Okay, what's gonna set you apart and make you successful in, in your life as a believer is hearing the word of God and doing the word of God, okay? Now, uh, let's see. Tell you what, uh, we'll, we'll, let me make one more statement and then, then we'll be done. Uh, 
Um, if God tells you to do something in his word, such as uh, Philippians 4, 6, do not worry or be anxious about anything. Okay? That's one of those mic drop moments right there where you can read that phrase, drop the mic, and you have said a mouthful. Do not be anxious or fretful about anything, but it, by everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving and so forth. Now, God does not tell you to do something that he does not give you the ability to do it. Okay? What do I mean by that? Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, don't worry about tomorrow. Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 6, don't worry or be anxious about anything. So if God gives us a requirement, he gives us something that he expects us to do, he also provides the wherewithal for you to be able to do it. You know, when he tells us to walk in love, to uh, fulfill the love commandment, well, he gives us the wherewithal to be able to do that. He says, the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. So God will not require you to do something that he does not give you the ability to do. So the way that you're going to stay spiritually sensitive is you're going to put the word of God first. You're going to meditate in the word of God, and you're going to make up your mind to be a doer of the word. And then lastly, I'll just mention this. And that is, you have to instantly obey the voice of your spirit. So when your conscience begins to bother you about something, don't ignore that. Deal with it. If you are convicted in your heart about something you said or did, deal with it. And deal with it quickly. Okay? So follow that. Learn how to follow that um, and obey it quickly. Don't let it labor. Don't let it linger. Okay? That's why Paul said something to us when he said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Okay? Deal with it. Get rid of it. Avoid that at all costs. All right? And then the last thing is this. Spend time praying in other tongues. Spend time praying in the Spirit. If you want to stay spiritually sensitive, spend time praying in the Spirit. Okay? And as you do that, you will develop a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's the Spirit of God that's praying through you. And so you're taking advantage of that resource. Okay? So praying in other tongues causes us to become more spirit conscious. Amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.